Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on a bachelorette back out, turning down offers of help, boxing up leftovers at a restaurant, and a friend who makes not-so-friendly comments. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about dog etiquette. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment where Dan waves a magic etiquette wand. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Dan, I'm going to take us to a tier three topic. I'm going to be rude and expose you, but you are like going connection happy now that you've had your first vaccine. <laughs> I am. It's And it's not just me. It's the the... the <laughs> expanded family network that is now <laughs> i think majority vaccinated and through their windows so we're we're operating with a, a different set of parameters in terms of how we can get together and it's so exciting <laughs> tell our audience the story that that you told me of of making arrangements to go get your vaccine and, and the impact it had <laughs> oh okay so that, I, I had great. another story all prepped in case this came up but <laughs> So it was the the morning of my first appointment. I had been scheduled for about a month, st still a few weeks away. And Pooja had stayed involved on the websites that tell you when appointments open up. And she had found an appointment that was, you know, two days away or something and had signed me up for it. She was really excited about it. In the process of doing that, I asked her, I said, you know, you're scheduling this on one of your work days. Are, are you going to be able to to watch the girls if I have to go inside and do this thing? And it takes a little longer than we expect. She, oh, no, definitely. We're going to do it and I can I can get there and I can watch the girls and get back in time for my next client. And the morning of the appointment, I was up early with the girls and I called my parents mm -hmm. and I asked if anybody was available that afternoon to help me out to maybe watch the girls for 15 or 20 minutes while I go inside. And um, my father was available. Gramps was available. And was delighted to have an opportunity to spend 15 or 20 minutes with his granddaughters. And when Pooj woke up and I told her that I'd organized childcare and her free time in the afternoon was actually her free time and she could <laughs> spend it doing whatever she wanted, <laughs> she squealed. She literally squealed with delight. It was um, it was everything I had been hoping for in that reaction. And um, 
I, I, I felt it inside myself, and it was so nice to hear it from her. But it was, it was sort of that, that beginning of opening up where we've been managing all our own childcare for a long time now. And yeah. all of a sudden, there's there's a whole new world of possibilities. <laughs> I love, too, hearing about the actual appointment where, where you went, and then you went to do kind of like a, a treat drive through afterwards. And, and you told me you were starting to feel connection happy, like... You were starting to to do random acts of kindness because you felt so good about the prospect of maybe being able to hug someone who wasn't within your household, like within the next 48 hours. So my father probably hasn't been to a McDonald's in 30 years. And (laughs) when I told him that the girls considered a McHappy meal one of the great treats in their life and that we were (laughs) – relatively close to a drive through McDonald's, he acquiesced to a little outing after our appointment. And he went through the drive through ahead of me, of course, and paid for our lunch because he's sneaky like that. And so I'm, I'm sitting there at the drive through window, card in hand, and the person's telling me, oh, the person in front of you just paid for your lunch. And I said, is that a pain? Is that hard to do? Could you just do the person behind me? We'll just pass it on that <laughs> one. And she had a big smile. and was like, yeah, let's do it. And um, I love it. Because we did just picnic there, um, I I ended up uh, having a little interaction with the people whose lunch I bought, and they were just so delighted. And um, (laughs) I I, I told them, I was like, really, it's my father. He he covered me, and I was was just passing it back. And they thought that was even better. But it was (laughs) just the simple little human connections, like a chance to smile with a stranger and – I just appreciated that so, so much. Anyway, thank you for asking me to tell the story and for prompting it because I could never have gotten it out on my own. <laughs> well, it was, it was an easy one. I know that you had had hosting as the topic for this morning's intro and I was like, no, 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 we're doing this instead. <laughs> but it, it was, it was really, it was, it was very sweet and very encouraging hearing all the ways that you were starting to feel freer and and starting to feel your world open up and that you were engaging with it. I know that, you know, throughout this process, we've, we've wondered, you know, you've been like, I don't know what I don't, I haven't been in a store in literally 12 months. I don't know what it's going to feel like when I do that. I just, I love the fact that the feeling that you're getting, even after that first shot is that feeling of, I I just want to engage. <laughs> and it I feels want to so do good. It. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really encouraging. And I, I get to sign up for my shot on Monday and I am very excited to, to do the same types of things you did in you and Pooja look for the, you know, sign up for my, my actual shot and then look for a spot that's a, an open and a cancellation that opens up. But I anticipate feeling just as good. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't wait to have a very similar discussion with you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> in the meantime, while I'm still stuck at home, shall we <laughs> get to some questions? I think that's a good idea. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. 
what was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst, I-N-S-T. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute, the whole word. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. first question this week is called Bachelorette Backout, and this arrived as a voicemail from Julie. I had a question for you, and it's relating around bachelorette parties during COVID. So my sister-in-law, she recently got engaged, and she's also having her wedding this year, August. Super excited for her. It's going to be in New Orleans. It is a wedding of about 150 people, and so... As I'm hearing about it, my comfort level is a little uneasy, but I understand everyone's comfort level around COVID, you know, with vaccines and everything is different. Side note, I'm a planner. So she asked me to be her maid of honor, and I was like, I will throw you a bachelorette party. Now that I've accepted two weeks later, I'm thinking about this bachelorette party and the possibility of planning a bachelorette weekend for 15, 20 girls, and it's just making my anxiety um, go through the roof. And I don't know how to change or back out of now planning a bachelorette party that I had previously agreed to. I would prefer to plan a modified weekend where it's just me, her, and her other sister, because I've seen them frequently and I feel better at planning three people versus 20. So my question to you guys, and sorry for rambling, it's like 6 a.m. where I live, is how do I back out of planning a standard bachelorette party and propose a modified one with just me, the bride, and the other maid of honor who's her sister? Second part question, how do I inform said bride that a bachelorette party does not include 
parents typically. She's really close to her family, and she's not someone that really follows, you know, bride protocol or norms or wedding planning and all that jazz and stuff. So she may suggest inviting my mother-in-law, which is fine if that's what she wants to do, but it kind of changes the bachelorette party vibe, if you get my drift, lingerie parties and so to speak and things like that. So how do I politely hint that it is girls only and no parents? Thank you. Um, and I really enjoy listening to you guys. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Bye. Oh, Julie, that's a, it just, this is a tough, a, a slightly tough spot to be on, be in, it excuse is. me. Yeah. Like it's, you have good, good feelings about wanting to be supportive, but then all of a sudden this major anxiety is creeping in. Dan, right off the bat, what's the big piece of advice you and I, you and I both say that Julie should go for? I'm going to start with consideration, respect, and honesty. Mm -hmm. And I think the honesty is important. You have to really ask yourself, can you do this? Because you said yes, you said you could, and now you're having very different feelings about it for for reasonable reasons, I would think. And that's that's up to you to decide. You have to be really honest with yourself making that choice. Mm -hmm. And once you've made that choice and you're clear about it, then you deal with the consequences. So backing out of something, it's not necessarily your first etiquette choice. I wouldn't call it the gold star etiquette move. But there might be a gold star etiquette move you can pull out here if it's what you have to do and it really matters how you do it. And I think that's where I would really focus this answer because if you decide you're going to grit your teeth and go for it, that's what you're going to do. But I, I, I wouldn't suggest that. If, if really looking at it, you say to yourself, for my safety, for my mental safety, I need to work something out. I think the sooner you do it, the better. And really thinking about how you do it the way you are in this question is the the perfect place to start. So what you're saying is tell her sooner. <laughs> I think that's the first best part of doing this well. You absolutely have to. Gotcha. Yes. And I think that for me, it's like when I was listening to you and I started hearing the word safety a lot, it almost felt like heavily charged to me. And I could mm -hmm. hear maybe a bride or a friend saying, well, it's not like I was trying to make you unsafe or, or why do you think I'm unsafe? And for this delivery, I might put this more on myself rather than saying, I don't think what you're setting up sounds safe to me. Instead, I would say, I was so excited to plan this. And as we started looking at guest lists, I really did all of a sudden get overwhelmingly anxious about the number of people we'd be planning for and and having around. And I, I have realized I'm not ready for this yet. And I wanted to talk to you about it as soon as possible so that other arrangements could be made or that we could figure something else out. Dan, there's a point of this that, that Julie was leaning into that I want to address quickly and let me know what you think about it. But it's the idea of saying, I don't want to host a 20-person shower, but I will host you and your sister. I don't think you should invite your mother, but I know you'll probably want to invite your mother if I offer to host this smaller thing. What do you think about the idea of trying to switch out for a smaller bachelorette party? Well, I definitely think it's a good idea to have some options yeah. that you can put on the table. Um, and, and maybe some different scaled versions of the event would be a way to do that. I think that... Um, Offering to throw a party that doesn't include other people who've already been invited starts to bring up some some potential problems. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't 
I, I wouldn't propose it as something that would replace the other thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it, it, yes. it gets tricky. No, I agree with you there that I, I wouldn't do a – it's funny because I'm going to both advocate and, and not for something here. While I do think it's important that you say I really I, – I, in, in looking at the 20-person guest list and my, having my anxiety shoot through the roof and not be able to calm it down around the idea – I can't feel okay hosting that. And I hope you'll understand. I'm so sorry. I have to back out. What I would do is I would offer up that smaller gathering that you're talking about that you and the bride and her sisters and maybe include the mother if you really, if you really think she's going to want the mother there as either a sort of like apology slash thank you for understanding kind of a, a gathering together where where you're trying to do something to treat these people and not treat them a certain way, but treat them as in like something nice, something good, something kind as a way of saying, I'm sorry, I couldn't do the thing that I said I was going to do. I I think that that would work. But I too, Dan, I worry about the idea of saying, I won't plan that bachelorette for you, the 20 person one, but I'd plan instead a bachelorette that's just us. I think that starts to feel like you might be missing members of the wedding party itself, mm. which could feel really awkward. Uh, it it just it it starts to feel a little too exclusive to be labeled the bachelorette. I think again, I would offer it as a, I'm sorry, I still want to connect with you, but this this is the only way I'd be able to feel comfortable. Um, I wonder if one of the options you couldn't offer is to, and I don't, I just don't know if this would be an exciting way to do it or not, but to do a virtual bachelorette for the twenty person, and just that say, was one was thought that what you that were I thinking? Okay. <laughs> well, one, and then the other was, could you offer? And it's hard to try to find a replacement host. Oh, that's a good, that that's a good thought, Could you be Dan. part of the process of, if, if she's really um, at a different place than you and is making different decisions and really wants to have a party that you aren't going to be able to host, is there something you can do to help find that host for her? Yeah, that's a good idea. But I'd also thought about a virtual option, yeah. which is a route that a lot of people have gone, but it might be something that's already been considered and isn't exactly what they're looking for. Should we tackle Julie's final question, which is the issue of sort of the guests at the party and how you you choose which guests come and that idea that that you don't really invite people from the generation above? What do you think? You know my rules about bachelor and bachelorette parties. What? There's no rules. (laughs) It can be whatever you want it to be. No, that's really true. And and by that, I mean the, the... Mostly the guest of honor and hopefully with a a helpful assist from the host. But some people want something that is um, sort of that sort of I I think of it as cliched, but it's not just cliched. It's it's a a way it's It's done of of (laughs) the young and fun version of the bachelor or bachelorette party. Yeah. Other people have no interest in that whatsoever, but would love to do a hike on Kauai with their best friends or (laughs) would love to spend some time with their great grandmother who they never get to see and has made a special who who knows no right my Um, sister's bachelorette we did a picnic at this beautiful like estate grounds where they have really gorgeous gardens i mean short of like bringing kittens to play with like it was just we bought all her favorite foods and it was just a really nice relaxing afternoon with her closest girlfriends and it was it was too my sister to a t you know but i think one thing I have always been delighted about in life is just who enjoys participating in some of those 
wilder traditions or the, the, as you mentioned, Julie, the lingerie aspect of things, it can be really fun to have sometimes a mom or an aunt or a godparent who's like really into that. Like sometimes Listen they to can, you. oh that, yeah, no, that... I, first of all, I would be that person later in life to my niece or something like that. But also mm-hmm. like they can sometimes be some of the most fun people at those parties. I do think so true. depending on the theme of the party that that's something to talk about so that you don't surprise someone who's not going to be that embracer of those traditions. There are also ways to handle it where if um, there's sort of like the the tamer portion of the party and then there's the wilder portion of the party and you can you can let certain guests know it's okay if you don't want to stay for the you know, I think at my best friend Estelle's wedding, uh, you know, we were in New Orleans. We were out on Bourbon Street for the night. Like, we had a lot of fun. And there were other parts of the night that were dinner out at a really nice restaurant, like that kind of thing. So you you can sometimes have one of these parties where you, you kind of divvy stuff up. Don't know how easy that is during COVID. but Julie, this is such a great question because it's a tough spot. And we really hope that our answer helps you navigate it with grace and with poise and that you find an accommodation that works for everybody. Well, I think there are some good ideas here. What do you think? How about talking this problem over? It's worth some effort to learn how to say no and still keep your friends. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is titled Vexed About Venmo. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Thanks for being such a pleasant part of my spring. I definitely thought of you when I was doing the spring leaf rake and all my neighbors were being awesome. Smiley face. This is part question, part salute. This afternoon, I was having a bad mental health time in the midst of a bad money week, small business hit hard by COVID, etc. So I posted on my Facebook, which I use for personal, not business stuff, about the day I was having and asked for hugs. One of my friends, a fellow artist, asked for my Venmo so she could send some money. I knew I wasn't in that bad of a place yet, so I thanked her so much and said it would make me happy if she would get herself a treat instead. Further down the thread, another friend, while she was sending her empathy, suggested I should have taken Venmo friend's offer. Was I rude? I had at the top of my post that I was only looking for hugs, not solutions, but I wonder if I didn't honor Venmo friend's generosity properly. Anyway, I couldn't be more grateful to friends and family who took the moment to send a concern emoji and a kind word. Sometimes that's all a bad day needs. I feel like I owe you for a therapy session now that I've typed this. Love and gratitude, Jane in Philly. Jane, thank you so much for the question. And I, I sometimes feel like this show works like therapy for me, too. So don't, <laughs> totally. don't, don't feel bad about that. You certainly don't owe us anything. <laughs> um, and that right there is an unintentional example of how it's perfectly acceptable to turn down an offer of something in a way that shouldn't necessarily be offensive to anybody. And my big picture etiquette um, point for for you in, in our answer is that 
it's okay to say no if someone offers to help you out. In fact, it's important that you're able to say that because sometimes you don't need or want that help. And it's not necessarily up to you to explain all your reasonings. You can be appreciative of the offer and say no without getting into all of the details or explanations that could get complicated. So big picture from an etiquette perspective, that wasn't where I saw any rudeness in your in your question. And I don't think we saw rudeness elsewhere in the moment either. I saw a little rudeness. I saw a little rudeness. Okay, I mean, like, do we think that the friend who pointed out and suggested that they should have taken the friend's offer, like, do you think that was kind of rude? Like, someone who's totally not involved, like... At the at at the uh, risk of exhibiting the same rudeness by calling out someone else for being rude. I know, right? Like the meta here is great. <laughs> I do. I do think that I, in the same thread it, where, where someone who Publicly. read the offer could also read it, it, it didn't feel like a little I'll pull you aside if I notice something happened in conversation that I thought it's might not, not have gone on over the well. Yeah. This and is like standing up at the table and shouting, you got junk in your teeth. Like, and it wasn't you really junk. You shouldn't have just said that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's entirely possible. We don't know the exact um, construct. M- maybe the way the offer was rejected could have been better. I don't know. I'm, I'm going yeah. as far as I can thinking of what got that reaction out of the friend mm-hmm. where they said, oh, you should have said yes to that. Um, and if I go all that distance in my imagination, I would still say you would pull someone aside and say something like that in private. I wouldn't say it back to them in that same thread. It's funny. This also has me thinking about the idea of of finances as something that we especially don't want it to be any longer in the category of don't talk about it ever. But I think there's a lot of tact in talking about it that can make a difference. And I'm wondering if Jane had been in a position where that offer of financial help might have actually, and even if it was just 20 bucks to go get a coffee and not feel like you were excluded from being able to do that. And that 20 bucks is like four coffees or five coffees, but, um, you know, it, it, but, but that idea that just a little something, so you don't have to feel like you're like lacking or that you're, like I said, like priced out of some really common social interactions or, or things that might make you feel a little good. You know, I do think that making that offer, on the side. It's funny. Like there's part of me that says, make it out there in that open thread because it's generous and it's good for people to see generosity, but it's also a generosity that might get taken, like might get accepted better if it's said like over on that private thread instead, you know, a a DM or a personal message or something like that instead. So it's like, I both want to advocate for, you know, show people that you're doing things because it can help inspire others to do the same. Mm -hmm. And also maybe between friends, this felt like a little too much exposure. And of course, Jane was in the position where she said, it's not that bad. I don't need solutions. Just a little love and encouragement, you know? Well, and and that offer, the initial offer, hey, would you share your Venmo? I'd love to send you a little something offered in the spirit that you're talking about, where I'm deciding to myself, oh, should I do this publicly or privately? Oh, maybe they're more likely to accept it privately. It feels more personal. But on the other hand, I might inspire someone else to do it. And maybe this person isn't comfortable asking themselves. So I want to offer if you're going that route and you post it publicly, I also think that the reasonable expectation is that you're prepared for a no. You're kind of testing the water a little bit and you're totally. testing it publicly. Yeah. So don't 
think of it as egg on your face if the answer comes back. No, it's really more of a just looking for a little support today, but thank you so much. Totally. And then that sets a tone for the thread from there. Jane, we're glad that you're surrounded by friends and family who are willing to offer help in many forms. And we hope our answer helps. There you are, George. Thanks, Barry. It sure swell if you'd lend me all this stuff. That's right. Anything for a friend. I won't eat it for two weeks. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Our next question is about trouble with taking food to go. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I, too, have been a loyal fan listener since the dinner party download days and haven't missed an episode yet. I don't recall ever hearing my question addressed. Our weather has been lovely here in Colorado, and many restaurants have provisioned outdoor heated spaces for dining during cold and wintry weather. What a blessing. I love to eat out and almost always take some of my meal home for another meal. What is the proper etiquette about boxing up leftovers when the waitstaff do not, which is often the case during all of the new restrictions, and I will add also otherwise? Specifically, I'm wondering about the timing. They often bring the container before I have finished eating. Should I ignore it until I am done, or is it all right to dish into the container and save a few bites to nibble? I tried that recently, and it felt like it looked greedy or somehow really off. Restaurants here often have time limits for reservation times, so sometimes we have to rush to finish to leave the table to meet the time restriction, so it is kind of practical to pack up leftovers while finishing the last of my meal. What about between courses? Get a new container for each dish and package before the next course is served? Bonus question. If the server removes the butter plate between courses, isn't it correct that they should take butter knives and bring a clean knife? A couple of times recently, I've had to request another and or politely decline when they offer to leave my used knife. Thoughts on both? Question. Best lives on leftovers. And there's a little PS here. Your photos on the AE podcast website are just awesome. I confess I rarely (laughs) look at AE and just listen. Seeing your photos there was almost like coming across a photo of old friends. I sure have been grateful to have you as part of my life all this time. Exclamation smiley. Oh, that's so that is so nice. And we are so glad that you've been with us all this time. We're happy to answer these questions. I've, I've got thoughts. <laughs> okay, look, can we clear the knife question? Because I know you yeah. have an answer for that. Yeah, no. So I think we're on the same page of this. But correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't appreciate being asked to hold dirty silverware, especially if the butter Agreed. plate is gone, and there's no place for me to set that dirty silverware. Some restaurants do this as a a practice to help limit how much they're washing and things. I don't look at the business end of the restaurant when I'm there. I'm there as a customer, as a patron. And to me, it doesn't feel polite. It doesn't feel good to have that dirty silverware just sitting in front of me. So for me, that's that's a it's a comfort thing. I won't lie. And I tend to think it's nicer when the restaurant takes it away. And I, too, would say, oh, I'd, I'd love to just have a new one if you don't mind. Or like you say, politely decline. You know, I'd, I'd love to not leave it if that's possible. It's OK to do. I understand from the restaurant side of it. It's not what they would prefer sometimes. 
it's one of the few places where when I'm teaching dining etiquette, I tell people it's okay to ask for something that the restaurant isn't suggesting. It, it's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. We tell people to ask for a clean knife with the next course or that someone clears the used silverware when they mm-hmm. clear the course. That's our thoughts on that one. <laughs> we, know, we know it's not always the perspective everybody has, but that's clearing the knife one. What about the issue of to-go containers? And I thought this actually went pretty deep. It wasn't just the the typical issue we hear of is I'm being asked to pour my own stuff into the into the container at the table. It feels like it could get messy. It feels like I I shouldn't be doing this right here. We get that one. But this is more I don't have such a problem doing it, but what's the deal with it? Do I do it per course? It's can I save some on my plate or once they bring it, do I have to just empty everything in? Dan, what do you think? This is one of those etiquette questions where there's no etiquette rule. There, true. <laughs> there isn't a section in the Emily Bo's book on to-go containers at the table. And maybe that's an idea for edition 2021. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we're not done the developmental edit. <laughs> but I go back to some of the big principles that we talk about, just aesthetics, trying to keep it as neat as possible. To me, I wouldn't get into dividing up and divvying out the food until I was finished eating. Mm-hmm. To me, I would, as suggested in the question, when that box comes to the table, I would think of it as there for me to use when I'm ready, when when I'm done. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I'm finished. Thank you, Trisha Post. <laughs> and You're not a turkey in the oven. I am That's not. What my best friend's mother used to say to me to correct that one. <laughs> but I also think that if there is a practical consideration, like a time limit that's coming on the other end, then I think practicality is the heart of good etiquette. You might be dishing it into the box and taking a few bites as you prepare to clear the table. To me, the idea of a time restriction on a dinner is just so anathema to enjoying a a leisurely meal or a good meal out. I know, I know, but it's real. Like People deal with it. It's real. (laughs) If that's the situation, that's the situation. And Mm -hmm. the between courses question is really interesting to me. I'm wondering if you could ask them to hold it for you at a wait station or in the kitchen, just so you don't end up with a stack of to-go containers with you at the table or Mm -hmm. a worse option, thinking about putting it down on the floor next to you or something like Mm -hmm. that. Because some tables are small. I mean, if you're at a two-top, they can often be tiny. There's not a lot of room, you know what I mean, for to, to stack things or place things. And if that's the case, I'd feel okay asking if there's a, a place you're right in the in the server station or something where they could hang on to that just for the room on the table. And I'm thinking about the nature of the meal a little bit as I'm making these judgment calls along the way. If I'm eating yeah. oh, with absolutely. other people, if it's a more formal situation, if someone else is hosting – Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm not going to be as eager to save that last couple bites that came mm-hmm. with a course or I'm, I am I might order smaller portions. Whereas it's another way to go. When you're eating out the way you're describing, I go out, we go out. It's a special treat. We're intentionally trying something different and bringing food home to eat later. 
go for it and, and, and let those practical considerations be what guide you. I couldn't agree more. Lives on leftovers. We hope that this gives you some some options for different situations to feel confident bringing those leftovers home. Uh-oh. Almost washed your food down. That's right. Drink your juice a little at a time. Doesn't it taste good? You just never took time before to find how good food can taste. Mother's pleased and proud. Our next question is a toughie. It's titled, Friend Who Acts Like a Foe. Dear Awesome Etiquette, I love your podcast and your attitude towards how to treat people. I have a tricky question. I often hang out with my partner and his close friends. Sometimes his more distant friends also are present, and there is one in particular that is troubling me with his comments. I'll call him Tim. When my partner got an excellent new job, Tim chimed in with the following. I heard you got a job at blank company. Ha, that's the most hated company in the world. The company in question is far from hated and is in fact very respected and simply not controversial. Regardless, this is the opposite of what a friend should say when you get a new job. And my partner was hurt. I was hurt and upset hearing it. How could we possibly respond to that? No one replied and the conversation simply moved on. But it makes my head spin to think about his other friends, of course, had congratulated him and mentioned that this is one of the top jobs in his field. Tim also makes ugly comments at other times about our choices for item purchases or when we succeed in other ways. I am gobsmacked and I want to respond next time. His comments confuse me because they are the opposite of what a normal response is like and the opposite of what I expect. I don't agree with his comments, but I feel he so much taints the subject that any protest I make is useless. I will avoid him in the future, but I will inevitably have to see him again sometimes. I have to be able to say something in response. I feel powerless not saying anything. Do you perhaps have a sample script to reply? Thanks so much. I love your podcast. Sincerely, Speechless. Oh, Speechless. What a tough situation. And I cannot wait to turn this one over to my cousin Lizzie Post for the sample <laughs> script because I am like you. I never know what to say in the moment. And I don't either. <laughs> um, Lizzie Post is quick with the comebacks. She is going to be modest right now, but she oftentimes says that thing that I like. wish I had thought of and come up with a day later. That's awfully kind of you to say. I don't think that's I'm usually going like I should have said this. Arr, I wish I was smarter, faster, quicker. <laughs> You're a ninja. You're a ninja. Okay. <laughs> there is some etiquette here, though, that I, I so that I, I want to just touch on. And yeah. the first is just the trap, the pitfall, the dangers around cynicism, sarcastic humor, yeah. sort of dark. Some people think of it as ironic, although that's not actually the definition of irony. But yeah. <laughs> people think they're being funny by exaggerating and going to extremes. And sometimes it is funny. Sometimes people love that. Sometimes that's the nature of the interaction or the engagement. But the reason I say beware is not everybody reads it that way. And for, for a lot of people, your funny sarcasm is just bitter negativity. And yep. you've really got to be careful. And yep. you end up being seen like this person is being seen. This is a caution not to our question asker, but to anybody out there who might just feel hints of this creeping into their own 
discourse in some way. Like, oh, that sounds a little like me. Uh-oh, you know. And in the right environments and communities, by all means, but just have some control and be aware that not everybody sees it that way. And the the social consequences can be severe. I yeah. dislike this person so much. What they bring is negativity and I just don't want to be around them. That's the problem. That's the bad etiquette that we're trying to avoid. And it's a really good example of it. I think it also cause can really come a- across as jealous. And like in our notes, you wrote jealous is ugly. And it made me think, and it's also, it, it looks obvious sometimes. And it's funny. It might not actually be jealousy deep down under underneath, but it could come across as that. And that also doesn't thought. look good. Like, it as came you to said, my mind. Ugly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's not a good look for anyone. If you feel yourself starting to go down this route um, and wanting to reply to things, it's a good time to remember that that really old adage of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all and apply it. It's not a necessary adage all the time. We we know that there's a lot of not nice stuff that that should get put on the table and discussed in respectful and good ways. But the way that this person is doing it is not respectful. It's not good. It's not helpful. I think you feel gobsmacked exactly because of, as you say, it's the opposite of what you expect when you tell someone I got a new job during a time where it's hard to get a job. It's like it's really most people are expecting congratulations. Way to go. That's so good. Or even a nice, you know, or I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Exactly. Not your company is the most hated company in the world. You joker. Can't believe you took that job. I know it wasn't that far, but it's essentially like what uh, what comes with that. It's it is negative and it's nasty. And I also think that the right thing is happening. That when Tim says these things, that the rest of the group doesn't say anything and you you let it stand on your own. There's a lot in modern etiquette where we say you address it, you deal with it. We, we talk about it with things that people think are jokes but really aren't jokes that might get said at the table. And we say, hey, that's not the kind of conversation I want at my table tonight, Like as opposed to ignoring it. But I think in this type of a situation that the ignoring it is pretty good unless you're very close to Tim. And I would hope that one of Tim's closer friends would pull him aside and say, hey, you keep doing this. It's It's been noticeable that – and this is not good sample script – but – that they would let Tim know that that really isn't nice and that a lot of people have noticed that that's not nice and they want Tim around, but they don't want that kind of sarcasm or those kinds of negative comments. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm feeling like our question asker speechless is maybe one point too far removed to be the person saying it, not being the person that it was said to. Even I though had it a was very similar the partner thought. it was said about. Okay, okay. So I'm not far off base on that one. Okay. No, and, and the social dynamics here interested me because I really want to offer some support to Speechless. And yeah. I would find this kind of character so aggravating in my life. Yeah. Agreeing with you that I, I do think you're a step removed to have that conversation well, that it's tough. And, and I also don't want to say just pull back and don't engage with this person because if – they are jealous and kind of trying to push you out of that social circle. I don't want to give them that either. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really thinking tactically about this in, in the social context. Like you, I think that that close friend of the partner, the one who is is uh, your 
really direct connection to this group. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that sounds like the one person that you might be able to mention something to. And if they filter it out. Oh, oh, yeah. No, that's a good idea. It's up to them. But then it's also a step removed from you. And you're not you're not having to engage more with this person who I have one other fear about, which is that they like getting a reaction out of somebody. Yeah. And the only reason I'm not suggesting that you come back with a response that's contrary, something like, well, actually, that's a, a really well-respected company and we're happy that he got that job, mm -hmm. is that that might be the kind of thing that points out the negativity, but it also might be an engagement. And if someone's willing to be that sort of extreme in terms of how they're behaving, mm -hmm. they could uh, sort of escalate. They, they, they might just be really hard to have any sort of constructive dialogue. So I maybe there's a, a a right dosage comeback that's neutral enough but i like you because my I, general instinct is to get clear of it without sacrificing the friendships that you care about in the process i, I won't lie though because when i hear you say the 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 line where you were kind of speaking as if you were the partner who got the job and you said you know uh, well actually you were you were you were speaking as as speechless about the part, hey, we're really, we're really happy that my partner's gotten that job. I almost want to give the encouragement to the partner to be, it's okay when people say that thing that is jarring and off. I think it's a little bit okay to address it just the way you just did. So Tim says, you know, oh, that's like the most hated company, way to get a job there, whatever it is that he said. And you say, whoa, that's not what I was expecting to hear. I'm pretty excited about this, you know? And I think that that's a, it is a way in the moment, I think, to retain a bit of the power, not to necessarily, like, well, your own agency, your power, and not to necessarily just say, what you did is just so rude. Like, how, why, why would you say something like that? But instead to say, you know, your reaction is that this is my reaction over here. You know, if you're willing to say that and put yours out there, I'm also out here saying this is a good thing that I want to celebrate and feel good about. And I do think when you've got all those other friends who seem to get that Tim's reaction is not good, they're not jumping on Tim's bandwagon and instead they're congratulating that that actually has a, a kind of group power to it. And it's not not saying anything. It's it's counteracting the thing that wasn't good that just happened without kind of making it a big accusatory thing either. So easy to talk about, so hard to do in the moment right. when those emotions right. are rushing through you, the fight or flight response, the adrenaline, even just a little bit. But maybe thinking about it ahead of time makes it easier to find those words in that moment. Speechless, we, we are so sorry that you're having to put up with a, with a Tim type, and we hope that our answer helps just a little bit. And look, this dispute was settled fairly, and so Jerry and Eddie are still good friends, just as they always were. It's worthwhile to know many ways to settle disputes. For your questions, please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst, that's I-N-S-T. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette.
You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep awesome etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we're hearing from Jamie responding to Colleen's teenage etiquette efforts from episode 342. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I just listened to episode 342 and was so moved by your advice to Colleen, who feels old-fashioned and misunderstood by her friends when she practices good etiquette. I hope she feels inspired by your answer. I think Lizzie's mom is absolutely right that good people find each other. As a teenager, I was also made fun of sometimes for being old-fashioned or too proper when I tried to practice good etiquette. As I've grown older, I've found more like-minded people who value and practice good etiquette. I also feel confident in social interactions as I practice the etiquette I was trained in as a young person. As I navigate new or unfamiliar social settings, I often draw on the advice I hear on awesome etiquette as well. People may still misunderstand your gestures of etiquette, but I hope that doesn't stop Colleen or other young people from continuing to practice it. Best, Jamie. I, I couldn't agree more. I like. I, I really I like the idea of encouraging people to lean in. Lean in no matter what age. Jamie, I'm so glad to hear that advice resonated with you. And like you, I hope that there are some other teens out there who benefit both from Colleen's question and your feedback to it. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, Daniel Post-Senning has sprung one on me. And he, you asked me before we started recording this segment, if I had an etiquette magic wand, what would I do with it? What would my three wishes be? Is that correct? I know I've been hanging <laughs> out with a lot of little girls. <laughs> and... The magic wand is a powerful thing. I was going to say, the Disney Channel is your zone. But no, I, I loved the question. And so tell me, what what's the idea behind thinking about if I had an etiquette magic wand, what would I do? So it's in some ways a, a, a reverse of a question that we often get asked, okay. which is, what are, what are your etiquette pet peeves? Uh, what are the things about etiquette that bother you or the things that other people do that bother you? And the idea of a pet peeve, if I allowed myself pet peeves, would be a pet peeve of mine mm -hmm. because I, I don't like the idea of nurturing a grievance about something. Yeah, like I have a little thing and I'm going to let it be my little thing. And I'm going to sort of treasure having this grievance in some way. Yeah. It's the way it feels to me, whether that's true or not. And I like the idea of approaching the same question as a, if there was an etiquette problem you could fix. What would you if fix? There was a, <laughs> if, if you had the authority at the Emily Post Institute <laughs> that people think you might have to say this is the way it should be, what would be some things that you would change? It's like the, the etiquette version of the, you know, if I had a million dollars, right? Like, it's like, what would you do? Okay, so do you, so I'm, I'm guessing the game we're going to play today is that you're going to, you're going to tell me yours and I'm going to come up with mine. Yeah. I thought we could each do three. Okay. Oh, well, let me know your three. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you lead, lead us off. Lead us off. Let me know. Let me know what you're thinking about here. 
So I'm going to start with something that's a little bit related to the feedback that we got today. Okay. Um, it's something that bothered me as a young person Ooh. when it happened to me. And I would have loved to have been able to just have everybody do it really well because it would have made me so much more comfortable. Ooh. And that's introduce people to each other. Oh, in oh that's a casual, good one. relaxed social situations. You're hanging out with your new girlfriend and you meet somebody that she knew before you were dating. And she introduces you before the conversation goes on too long. Or you're with a friend and they see another friend from a different group or organization and they tell you what the connection is, how they know the person when you run into each other somewhere. It makes everything so nice and it doesn't always happen, particularly in those casual, really informal situations. So it would be really nice if that could just be happening everywhere. It would have made my life easier. Oh. I like I also like that it's it's like specific to a, a particular etiquette within our world, like introductions. Like I feel like all mine, I'm going broad in my head as I'm trying to come up with them on the, <laughs> like here. I like that that's like really specific to a particular point of etiquette. That's all right. You could fix some big problems for us. Oh, okay. Where are you going first? Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. So Dan, Dan's prompting my, my big problems that I'm going to fix because the very first word I wrote down in our script was politicians. I would wave a magic wand that allowed people not to, not to spin and manipulate when we're, when we're talking about this, like when we're really trying to have clear communication about big ideas and, and big money that's getting spent to really, um, you know, improve, impact, support our lives in the way that we expect our government will. I want the people who have to handle those conversations. I, I want them to be considerate and respectful and honest to the nth degree. <laughs> and then, well, well I, I'll stop because I, my, I feel like my other, so one of my other ones might really impact that political scene one. But I'll, I'll say it, politicians was the first thing that came to my mind. I would wave my magic wand in that direction to, to help those conversations uh, and, and make that a world that everyone could feel really, really good about. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, my gosh. I mean, could you just imagine how much would get done? Whew. We often talk at our business seminars about how cultures of civility and respect, how really good working environments result in better outcomes. Mm. And I can't imagine if our government was a model of consideration, respect and honesty. <laughs> it's almost a joke when you say it. But but there are some really amazing actors who are doing this and wouldn't even need the the etiquette wand you know what i mean so i should i shouldn't laugh but to, to move us on dan what's your what's your second one what's the second thing that you would wave your wand and fix or change so this is the riskiest thing on my list for sure <laughs> i just said the yawn the yawn oh I, gosh going back to like episode one right <laughs> yawning and the pinky title of episode one yawning <laughs> to me it's such a classic Etiquette trap because it clearly illustrates the difference between how something might be perceived and how it's felt or intended by the person doing it. Uh -huh. And if I could resolve that in a way that just made 
the world a smoother, better place for everyone, I would do that in a heartbeat. By the way, that was some genuine excitement coming from upstairs. Some of our first guests in a long time just arrived. Oh, that's awesome. That's really awesome. I'm jealous. <laughs> so the yawn is one of those things. That I, I wouldn't make yawning go away. Oh, okay, but I good. I'm my just magic. So, so glad to know that. Etiquette wand. And I would remove all confusion about it. I would have people who see it happen and think, this person is really being um, disengaged and boring themselves. Yeah. And I would remove that thought and I would um, hopefully on the other side of the ledger give people who are just feeling tired the awareness of how it might be perceived if they indulge in that yawn in the company of others. But what would giving them the, the, the awareness do if they – you know what I mean? Wouldn't you want to fix it beyond just giving them the awareness? Like because – because it's an involuntary them, action. Like that's the thing of it. Like, are I you gonna? Like, I was gonna get some. Are we gonna go, come on? Are we gonna like rehash this out for the third time? It's an involuntary action, and they are contagious. So, would you? Why not just get rid of yawning altogether? So this is why I would give the awareness. Okay. Because for those of us that can regulate our bodily functions, it would allow us to regulate it. For those of us who can't, it would allow us to excuse ourselves. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you trying to claim that you can regulate every yawn that comes your way? I think it's doable. I don't. I totally disagree. I think you can make attempts at stifling it, but I don't think that you can actually hold off that muscle contraction that starts to happen in your throat or or around like that. You know, it's. I feel like it's. It all happens in the muscles near the eyes, the ears, and the throat. Like when you when you go for that yawn, because I've had to stifle a yawn before. I know that that's the polite thing to do if if one comes on and someone's in the middle of talking and you do want to be, you know, showing that you're paying attention and such. But I don't know if that's a choice that you can really make. And this is why I need an etiquette magic. (laughs) All right. What's your number two? So my number two, as I alluded to, kind of like has to it, it would certainly help that whole political realm. But that's I would I would wave a magic wand that lets us be heard as as we're intending to be heard or received as we're intending to be received. Or vice versa, you know, like the the flip side of that. I really, I'll put it this way. I am always amazed that even when I think I know someone really well, like the person on the other side of this microphone, how I can still guess and and get things wrong that you've, that you, like you've said, or, or that someone has a, a conversation that we're having, or even just an assumption I might make about the way they're going to think or, or react to something. I think that even when we are incredibly close with people, we are not mind readers and we aren't able to predict and we aren't able to truly feel how something landed with someone. And I would, I would love to have my etiquette wand solve that problem so that more people could be meeting with their communications in a space that that feels true in both directions, both when it's, it's spoken or, or if it's an action, it's acted. And when it's received by the other parties around, I I want that to all feel like it's copacetic rather than like, you know, two people walk away and you're like, wait a second. I don't think we're walking away with the same impression of that conversation as we both had, you know, in some ways it's a version of my yawn wish that we could somehow harmonize the the way that we're presenting with the way that we're being perceived um where there's a coherence that that makes sense yeah okay cuz so what's your last one final 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 wand wave what are you going to use it on 
reclining seats on airplanes. Oh, I think a lot of people just said thank you. Um, okay, so but here's the deal. Would you make the seats still recline but make the airplanes bigger with more space? Or would you make Ooh. the seats not be able to recline? Because I know my answer. <laughs> I, 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 I like your first version yeah, of the Yeah, me too. <laughs> I like the my, my version had the buttons turning on and off at the moments that I thought were appropriate for it to be allowed or not. But... <laughs> I'll, I'll take your version. I like my version because then it doesn't matter. But if like if you have enough space between all the seats, and can we add to that that we're gonna we're gonna make that all happen without raising the cost of the ticket? Like I want I want space back in airplanes. I'm not sure there ever really was much, but I want whatever little amount was there back. Your wish is granted. <laughs> okay, so can I tease you now? Because I've we've been through your three, and I am I am gobsmacked favorite word to see what is not on your list. Can, can I? Can, I was going to say, did I can miss? I, How do you know I me expose, better than I know, I know myself? Right, just the thing we were talking about before. Can I expose you? I I am floored that you don't have something about bodily functions in the bathroom being like eliminated as a presence in our world, or that everyone gets their own private bathroom that they have immediate access to at all points, and it has fans and it's soundproof and it like <laughs> sunlit you know <laughs> pristine glistening yeah, marble there is no plume there is no like excuse me for a minute i totally thought that that with all the like you guys gotta understand dan cringes anytime we have to talk about like passing gas or bathroom issues <laughs> and i don't you know, it's probably not on my list because I don't think of it as within the You're field like, of it's etiquette. so far removed. It's true. I'm feeling a little comfortable at this very moment. <laughs> Let's talk about your last thing. So I listed it as rejection happiness. And I really would love to wave a magic wand that, that got rid of this fear of rejection that so many of us have, um, whether that's reaching out to friends to ask them to do stuff, reaching out to a potential date. I would, I would just love to find a way for us to navigate those spaces of making requests and getting turned down without it feeling so heavy. In fact, for some people, it often can be so heavy, they don't make the ask. And I, I just, I would love to alleviate that kind of anxiety in, in our world and, and em embrace no in a way that feels good. Embrace the idea that I can't this time, but maybe next time, you know, just I, I would love for rejection to be something that doesn't have to to carry so much anxious weight with it. I think that is a great place to leave this particular <laughs> postscript. And if I were to choose from all six and I got one uh, wish to actually grant, I think it might yeah, be Yeah, you that think one. so? Rejection happiness wish. There you go. <laughs> Dan, this was a really, really, really fun postscript. I hope that our listeners write in with some of the things they do with an etiquette magic wand. And I hope you, you clever beast that you come up with more postscripts like this. Well, um, I, like you, I would be really, really interested to hear what our audience would fix if they had the power. And you're most welcome. And we will do more in the future. Love it. Oh, man. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today, we have a salute from Meredith. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love the show and just wanted to send out a quick salute to my son's teacher. 
the pandemic has been tough on everyone, and I think especially so for those with young children, their kids, and those who teach their kids. My son's teacher has really gone above and beyond to make sure her students aren't losing out during a time of remote learning. I know there are so many others out there just like her, too. So here's to the educators. Thanks, Meredith. I love that one. Yay to the teachers. Meredith, it is so true. I know my little girls have treasured and leaned on their remote learning experiences. And like you, I am so, so, so grateful for all of those educators out there making this possible. Thanks for the salute. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something and who supports us on Patreon. Please do connect with us and share the show with friends, family, and coworkers on social media or however you like to share podcasts. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.